Who comes next with Mary Kelly? Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Roland. Hi, Rory. Hey, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me back, my friend. I am always glad to get together to talk with you about coaching and how it can really increase our own potential and our organization's potential. Mm-hmm. And what you have today is speaking with another author who right. really is going to help us plan that potential for our organization. Yeah, exactly. Not only in coaching do you want to help build your folks, but with today we're, we've interviewed Mary Kelly. She's a former Navy commander, retired Navy commander. She's also a National Speakers Association Hall of Fame speaker. She just Mm -hmm. won that award this year. And we're going to talk about succession planning, who comes next, how you can help your people be prepared for that next level in the organization. So I just love this concept. I love Mm -hmm. talking about it. Mary has great energy and she's just a fun interview. And the succession planning would allow you to really make coaching part of the entire culture, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So by having somebody ready behind you that can take your slot, it puts you in a position where you can be in a position to grow and be promoted. So always have that person ready behind you so that if a promotion comes available, the organization doesn't have to worry about who's next. You can really, when the one slot opens, boom, boom, they've got two slots that open and you've actually helped your career and then another person's career be ready for it. So I just love that yeah. concept and that's what we talk about today. That That's great. That is Wonderful. I'm looking forward to this. Here is Rory speaking with leadership speaker and author, Mary Kelly. Welcome, everyone, to Coaching for Potential. Today, we're here with Mary Kelly. She's a retired Navy commander. She's also a Hall of Fame speaker with the National Speakers Association. So, Mary Kelly, welcome to Coaching for Potential. I am so excited to be talking to your folks about how they can help their people become even better. That's the key. That's what we're here to do is to develop the potential. So, I am so excited today. We're going to talk about succession planning and who's up next. What's your perspective? Do most businesses think about succession planning? Most businesses don't want to think about succession planning for a couple of reasons. First, if you founded that business and you own that business, there's part of your brain that says, nobody else can do it as well as me. It's kind of like that song from the James Bond movie, you know, nobody does it better. That's kind of how our business owners operate. And you've certainly seen that. Sure. Yeah. And so then we also sometimes, if we are maybe that second tier in the organization, we're looking around going, well, are we going to be the ones who step in in case that person leaves? And when that person leaves? And let's face it, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. At some point in time, all the senior leaders or and all the leaders in our organizations will leave. They will be replaced. So it's interesting to me that in America, the average worker says they want to retire at about age 67, but the average worker actually has to retire or leave the workforce at age 63, either because of their own health issues, a family or spouse health issue, or their children's health issues, or something else pops up that means they're going to have to leave the workforce. Mm. And we know also that 40% of CEOs in the United States are replaced after less than 18 months. 
And here's what's so interesting. You would think that with those kinds of statistics, we would be better at planning for who comes next, who's going to be the next person in charge. And when that person steps up into that job, who's going to fall in like dominoes into those ultimately more increasing uh, positions of roles and responsibilities? Who does that? But we don't plan for that. And partly we don't plan for that because if you're one of those number two people, you don't kind of want to go to your boss and go, so when are you out of here? Like, how, how much longer do I have to wait before I step into the big chair? Right. And then if you're not the heir apparent of the big chair, then that becomes a very awkward conversation. So we delay those conversations. But here's the problem. If you don't have a great succession plan for your organization, your people will wonder, do I have any opportunities for upward progression? Are there promotion opportunities? And if so, how many decades do I have to put in before somebody goes? And mm -hmm. right now, we also think that our CEOs or people in charge are thinking about succession planning, but they're not. Because if they get promoted to another company, they don't care. If they have to suddenly leave the workforce for a health issue, they don't care. It sounds insensitive, but we have to really look at the numbers and say, look, you know, not we're, we're not here to be here forever. And we right. have to have a plan if we care about our business in mm -hmm. order to move the business forward even without us. And while we all know that we're very special and very unique and we're all unicorns, we mm -hmm. have to also also face the reality that we're all replaceable. And if you're not replaceable, you can't be promoted. Right. I'll give you an example of this. I wrote a book here a few years back called My Best Boss Ever. And so I actually interviewed people on planes back when we could travel on planes and asked who their best boss was and why. What I found from that was just a whole host of issues. But one of the gentlemen told me a story. He said he had a young woman coming to his office and he said, what do you want to do down the path, you know, down the road, you know, the classic scenario. And he could tell that she was being tentative and he continued to press the issue. And finally, after about the fifth or sixth time that he asked, the question, she finally said, I want to, I want your job. And he goes, terrific. Let's train you on that. And they spent the next 18 months showing her all those skills. And then when the company had a promotion available for his level of skill, guess what? They asked him, do you have somebody in line? He goes, absolutely. I've got somebody already trained. They want to do it. It just, it's just click, click. It, it was just like a train going up the hill. You, you move the first car and the next car falls right in line. And I think that's really what you're talking about. It is. And you know that many of our supervisors, managers, and leaders don't do that because they're threatened by the fact that that person could be better at the job than they are. Right. And from my perspective and your perspective, I hire people who are better than me in the areas where I, I know I'm not that strong. And I hire the smartest, best people I possibly can because mm -hmm they make the organization better. But you and I have also seen a lot of leaders who are very threatened by people with more talent and more brain power than they have. Right. And, and it's unfortunate because they miss such a great opportunity to grow their business. They're actually taking money off their, off their table uh, by holding those folks back. So it's really, it, it's just such a bad scenario. So with that, what can managers do to facilitate a really good planning, succession planning process? So what you know that um, I co-authored a book called Who Comes Next? Leadership mm -hmm. Succession Planning Made Easy. And my co-author on that is Meredith Elliott Powell. She's out mm -hmm. of North Carolina. And in that book, we, we specifically address the three areas of the business affected by succession planning or a lack of succession planning. And it's the CEO, business owner, business founder is number one. Number two is that next level of management who is going to have to deal with a fallout if and when that senior person leaves right. and who do you have ready to go. And then the third, of course, are those people who are looking to move up. And one of the forms that we have, you know, I love my forms. Um, <laughs> as part of the Who Comes Next book, we developed an entire workbook 
of fillable PDF downloadable forms. And one of those I really like because we use it all the time. And it is, it's directed to that third tier of people. Hey, you want to move up in this organization. Do you, what job do you want? What job really appeals to you? And they, and you're not bound to this, but it's kind of like, you know, I, I think I'd really like to be the HR director. Or I'd really like to be the CFO or I'd really like to be the COO. Okay, great. So what skills do you think you need to develop in order to step into that role? And all of a sudden, and what it does is it helps your people look at their skill set very honestly and say, you know what? I think I need to be more strategic. I think I need to be better with time management. I need to be better with delegation. I need to, I need to not be afraid of making tough decisions. And then it gives you the opportunity to have the conversation. Well, what projects do we have going on right now? Where do you think you could learn those skills? Or you as a leader could say, you know what? We've got this new project that you could develop some of those skills on this new project. We're not going to pay you anymore, but is this something you'd be interested in? And it gives people the opportunity to say, yeah, I would. Or you know what? Maybe, maybe I don't want to develop those skills. Maybe I don't want that job. When we matriculate our people and help them develop those skills, we create not only a stronger organization, but we create a stronger degree of loyalty from our people who will then very honestly look at themselves and go, oh, maybe that's not what I want. But it at least opens the door. And then one of the other questions on that is, you know, how far away are you from being prepared for that job? And some people will surprise you. They say, you know what? I'm ready now. And what you don't realize is I went off and got an MBA two years ago, and I've just been waiting to take this position, or I've been taking night classes, or I've been moonlighting as a board member for this volunteer nonprofit, and I have been running a $3 million budget so that I can know what to do when it's time for me to step up. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I didn't know that. Again, it opens the door for dialogue, which is really, really healthy for both the manager, the supervisor and the employee. Right. It is such an important key. And, and from the coaching perspective, one of the critical skills I, I teach people is asking them the question, where do you want to be next? We had Richard Boyatzis on the program and he helped write to the book, A Primal a Leader in like 2000. It was international bestseller, as you well know. And his favorite question is, you know, where do you want to be in 10 or 15 years? And a lot of people don't look that far ahead, but even if they don't look that far ahead, you know, where do you want to be in two to three or four years? And it's just so important for organizations. I'm working with a team right now. They've just got, their whole leadership team's been there probably 15 years. Well, in the next five years, that's not gonna, they're not gonna have another 15 years of that team being together. So they need to start asking the question, who's next and who's capable and who has the skills. And I think one of the things that, that your list was excellent things that the people need to work on, but I think the most important that holds people back, particularly in senior leadership roles, is their people skills. Um, you know, can they function well in a team meeting and not tick everybody off? Can they ask for other people's opinions? Are their egos so big that they can't allow anybody else to be the smartest person in the room? And I think that's the key with, you know, when you see Steve Jobs and Eric Smith from Google, and you see these uh, real titans that have created these huge companies in Silicon Valley, uh, they really had the, the ability to put their egos aside. Do they have egos? Absolutely. But did they allow really good meetings that could be confrontational? They were big on that. And I think that's so important for us is to allow those people skills to be developed. And that's, that's what really holds people back. And part of what you're talking about is the confidence as a leader mm -hmm. to make tough decisions, but also have the vision in place where you know where you want that organization to go and mm -hmm. have that vision that you constantly reiterate to people of what it is you do and where it is you're going. Because many people, I ask them, what's the vision of this organization? They go, well, you know, we make garlic presses. Okay, mm -hmm. but where's your vision? Mm -hmm. Um 
we make good garlic presses? No, it should be, we make the world's premier garlic presses that are in every chef's kitchen across the United States because of its unique ability to really squeeze out the essence of that garlic clove. We love garlic. So if you can get excited about garlic presses, you should be able to be excited about what it is you do. Exactly right. And so the next question I've got for you is, why do you think it's so hard to think about succession planning as an owner, as a founder, uh, but, you know, just a business leader. I mean, you've got, you've got a whole host of layers of business leaders in an organization, and yet they don't think about it. We know they don't. And so what's, what are some of the barriers? So one of the barriers is coming to terms with your own mortality, mm-hmm. coming to terms with, well, if I'm not doing this, what next? So for this book, I was very fortunate to interview Mitzi Purdue. She is part of the Sheraton, um, I think Sheraton uh, legacy. Mm-hmm. And she married Frank Purdue of Purdue Chicken. Uh, mm-hmm. You might remember the slogan, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. Um, and his whole idea, he had been raising chickens since he was a kid. And he built that company from the ground up. And he, interestingly enough, if you look at Purdue Chicken, it has a little bit of a yellow tint to it. And the reason it has a tint of yellow in it is not because of how they process the chicken. It is because they found out that if they fed the chickens marigold or something like that, it created a a really good flavor and it did tint it a little bit yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did, they were doing this whole organic thing and no preservatives thing way before anybody else was. And she's written several books on how to keep a family business alive, how to create the legacy, how to keep the family together through these changes. And even she talks about the fact that when the, one of the happiest days of Frank Purdue's life was when his son, who was in his late thirties, was like a chemical engineer or something pretty impressive, um, said that he would be interested in taking over the family business. Um, And sometimes that creates a problem. You want your family to take it over because you want there to be this legacy. But on the same token, it's kind of like the godfather. You know, maybe it's not the son or daughter who is the best choice. Maybe it's somebody else. So it becomes kind of a difficult situation for not only the people working in the company, but also for family dynamics. So in Frank Purdue's case, you know, his son was a great choice, took over. And he and Mitzi shares that um, the day that Frank... And his son had that conversation was just one of the happiest days of his life because he felt like he could then walk away from the business. But then he found out how hard it was to walk away from this business that he had started, grown, and it had been his whole life. So then what do you do when you're, you know, you're still healthy, you're still very focused on business things, but now you've turned the reins over to somebody else. What do you do with your life? We actually have a chapter on that in the book that you've got to set up your life to be a life outside Mm -hmm. of business. And you and I are both the same on this. You know, we don't have much of a work-life balance. And frankly, I'm not sure I want a work-life balance right now, but there's going to come a time when I'm going to go, you know what? I really need to focus on the balance part of the life Mm -hmm. and that's going to happen. But for many people who founded the business, the business is their life and their life revolves around that business. So thinking about that most important part of your life and really where you've been able to influence, inspire, integrate, just be such an important part of so many people's lives, providing great jobs, providing great services and products and things that people desperately need. And now all of a sudden your life looks really empty without Mm -hmm. it. 
So this is a, there's a tough mindset issue. Chapter three is all about the mindset, but we have a section in the tools and in the book, the latter part of the book is a miniature version of the full eight and a half by 11 tools workbook. And that helps people kind of walk through those things of the questions they need to ask and their tabs. So that if you are the owner founder of the business, there's a specific tab that is directed toward you. If you are leadership in the business, there's a section that's just for you. And if you are up and coming in that business, there's a section just for you. But it makes it so that you can look and take an assessment. And we've got this for like they're listed as for the planning team. And once you decide, you know what, I'm at that age where I need to be thinking about this. We have checklists. We have a succession turnover checklist, and it's for the entire planning team. And we ask people questions like, as a senior person, what do you spend most of your time doing? You know, what meetings do you have all the time? What what would somebody coming in need to know? And uh, there's a whole series of these questions. Um, what are, you know, how do you spend your time? Where are your goals? Uh, what does your organizational chart look like for the future, not just for today? What kind of budget issues do we need to be aware of? What kind of legal issues? Because right now, and you know this, the average CEO in America is about seven years older than they were 25 years ago. And the wow. reason for that is because they've got to know more. They've got to know more about people. They've got to know more about budgets. And they've got to know more about the regulations and governmental issues in their industry. And it simply takes time. And those people skills that you're talking about, you don't develop those overnight. Right. So. In those questions, we've got this as a succession planning assessment. It's full of assessments. And then we also ask our, our CEOs, our founders, you know, what business are you losing because you don't have a succession plan? So I'll share with you, I was about 21 years old. I just graduated from the Naval Academy and I went to one of my bosses and I, I you know, we all graduate basically with engineering degrees and I didn't know anything about money at the time, like nothing. Uh, I've since corrected a lot of that, but I went to one of the people I really respected. And I said, hey, so I know I should be doing something with money now that I'm making a paycheck. And he said, yeah, I'm going to set you up with my financial planner. I said, great. So this very nice, lovely older man sat down with me for about an hour, very generously gave me an hour of his time. I'm 21. I am dumb as a box of rocks. This is the 1980s. So yeah, you know how old I am. And he was about 65, 68 years old. And I said, so I am going to go from here and I'm going to Asia. I'm being stationed in Asia and I'm just supposed to send you 10% of my paycheck. And he said, yes. And I said, and what do you do with it? And he said, I'm going to put it into a retirement plan. I said, okay, but what happens if you don't wake up one morning? Like I actually asked the question in the military, we're a little bit more blunt about certain things than other people maybe are. And he said, well, I'm, I'm thinking my son will take over the business. I'm like, you're a one-man show. And if you're dead, my entire life savings is now who knows where. And he said, well, you know, I'll, I'll have a plan for you. I'm like, but you don't have a plan now. Right. And he says, no, but I'm going to get one. I'm like, dude, you know, I'm trying to plan for my retirement and you don't have yours planned. And so his whole thing of not having a succession plan made me not work with him. And I really liked him and I trusted right. him completely. I mean, he had the BLT sandwich down. He, I, he was believable, likable, and I trusted him, but he mm -hmm. didn't have a succession plan. As a result, I waited another probably three years before I started really investing wisely because I was heading to the Philippines and I, there weren't the resources there and I didn't 
didn't know who else to trust. I also had no recourse. This was back before cell phones and email. I had no recourse if the guy, you know, just didn't wake up one day or he got really sick. So having a succession plan also impacts your customers. And this is what a lot of people don't realize. So we do have a five-minute customer service impact plan. We do have a five-minute vision plan. And then we also have a strategic vision planning section, which is mm -hmm. all about where you want the organization to go. And we, we ask people to think big. And then there's a series of about 10 questions under that. And then we say, be proactive. And right now, you and I both know many people are being inactive instead of proactive. They are stunned into inactivity. They don't want to have to take steps forward. They're scared. They feel a sense of scarcity and they're worried about making the right decisions. Right. And while I feel for them, I need to encourage them to make the right decisions strategically for the long-term growth of the organization. And of course, one of those things we have on strategic uh, vision planning is stay flexible, um, stay agile, um, make sure that you are able to respond to market forces. And then we also include a, a succession planning scheduling tool. And it's and it lists out everything that you need to do so that you don't have to think so hard. Um, most people think about succession planning. It's one of those things like doing your taxes. Yeah, I should really do those, but right. until I really have to, I just don't want to. It's kind of that. And so that's all for the planning team. But then we have a whole series of leadership competency assessments for all levels of the organization. And we put in uh, top leadership competencies. And those competencies you talk about all the time. It's how good is your business judgment? How good is your conflict management, crisis management, decision-making, emotional intelligence, entrepreneurship, uh, financial acumen, your industry knowledge, how much influence you have over other people, your charisma, interpersonal skills, uh, strategic thinking, talent development, all those things that you help your coaches with all the time. Yeah, I know that that is a great point. And I love your succession uh, planning process from this perspective. I was talking to an HR manager and she had somebody who wanted to move up in the organization. Uh, but she had, she's very driven, very professional, you know, A plus personality, could have the skills to move up into the C-suite uh, down the road, but was just ticking people off. The person went to the HR manager and the HR manager gave her what I think is just absolutely some brilliant uh, advice. And she, uh, she went to the HR manager and said, what should I do? And she said, okay, here are the senior leaders in our team. Uh, you've clearly stubbed your toe. She knew that, everybody knew that. She says, now go to those senior leaders and say, hey, I've stubbed my toe. What do you think I need to do to be ready for this next level? What could I do to be ready for the next level? And would you be willing to help me on that? That's the, from a person, because I was talking to a guy one day and I asked him, I said, who gets, who gets promoted? And he said, a lot of times people who get promoted are the ones who ask to be promoted. So she was wanting to be promoted and she wanted to get to that next C-suite. She had all their credentials. I mean, credentials after credentials. But the thing that she was missing is she was so abrasive with her team members that people actually went to the CEO and said, do not, under any circumstances, put her in that C-suite. And that's incredibly damaging to her to, to have that happen. You are absolutely right. The Army is redoing how they select colonels, full boards, for their next promotion. Mm -hmm. And they, they basically put up a, a black screen, and you're on the other side of this black screen so that you can't see the people interviewing you. And they assess And they you can't for, see you. And they can't see you. So right. it's, it's 
it has nothing to do with how, what you've done up to this point. You've made it up to this point, and now you're getting screened. And they mm-hmm. assess things, especially what they're worried about is, are you a leader who creates a toxic work environment? Mm-hmm. Like for some people, they've made it this far, and they become a little arrogant. Okay, a lot mm-hmm. arrogant. And they're like, well, I was one of the best <laughs> and the brightest, and I did this. And I did. Well, guess what? Nobody gets to care about that. Right. Um, no, and you don't get to mention that. We ask you what you would do. So now we're not assessing you based on your past performance we are basing you, we're judging you based on your future potential. And that is huge. And if you are a toxic leader, if you've got an ego the size of the planet, if you come across abrasive and obnoxious, guess what? You're knocked out. And it's up to you to figure it out for next year's promotion board. So it's exactly this. And many people think, well, you know, again, what got me here should get me there. And that's just not true. There are skill sets that we, and we do have this thing called the leadership development plan assessment. And we ask you things like, you know, what parts of your job are your most favorite? What are your least favorite? What would you like to be doing more of? Are we challenging you enough? What mm-hmm. role would you like to play in this organization long-term? Where, again, like you said, 10 years, we say, where do you see yourself three to five years? Mm-hmm. And for some people, they say, you know, it's interesting because some people will say, you know what, I just had um, twin boys and they are, it doesn't matter if it's a guy or a gal, um, they're right. three years old and I want to wait till they get into school before I take on a job that I know is going to take more of my time. Hey, that's great for our planning purposes. And it's that kind of honesty we really want from our people. But if somebody says, you know what, um, I've been here for nine years, I have been in the same job, I have checked all the right boxes, I have, I have the educational requirements, I've played nicely in the sandbox, I've done the mentoring, I need a promotion and I'm looking for a promotion within the next year or I'm going to have to look somewhere else. And I don't want to go somewhere else. I really like you people, but I'm a little bit bored with what I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm just skiing in the same tracks over and over and I want more challenges. Well, guess what? If you've got a team of people who say, I want more challenges, that is a great opportunity for you to grow the organization. So we ask those questions. And then we, I, I love to ask people questions that are more than just the one word monosyllabic answers that you would get from a teenager when you say, how was school? Fine, good, great. And a lot of leaders, and you know this, they right. walk around the organization, supervisors, hey, how's it going today? Good, great, fine. Monosyllabic answers that tell you nothing. So right. I like to ask people, especially during this time of crisis, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how's your family doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, with 10 being really bad and uh, uh, with one being really bad and 10 being absolutely fantastic. Um, in fact, I've never, I've never had it better. We just got a puppy over the weekend. This is so great. Super excited. Um, one being, well, we bought a tiny house in January and it was the wrong time to buy a tiny house because now we have nine people living in 300 square feet, you know, things like that. Right. And, all, and again, it allows you to adjust your leadership based on that person. And this is where many leaders say, well, but uh, you know, I, I'm a leader. It's kind of like Popeye. I am who I am. No, you're not. Your leadership has to be adjusted to your people. So ask people, give them a metric on a scale of one to 10. Um, how ready are you to step into that CFO position? And if they say a two, then it's a different conversation. If they say a nine and a half, I'm ready to go today. And in fact, I hope they decide to stay home. Mm-hmm. So now you kind of have a basis for making these 
making these decisions. And again, in that leadership development plan assessment, we ask, you know, what skills do you have now that will align with your next career path? And what's your personal plan of action to make sure that you are ready to move forward? Because again, as managers, we want to help our people develop and move forward, but we also have to understand it is our employee's job to make sure they have the skill sets necessary for us to promote them. Yeah, no, those are great questions. I love that. And is it also possible to put a couple of links to your couple of your forms that you have available so that people could actually just pull them up and, and do that. So we'll put that in the show notes for the yes. program. Okay. Yes. We actually have a whole website on this called whocomesnext.com. Okay. And a lot, the five minute succession plan, the five minute focus plan, the five minute career plan are all there free to your listeners. Um, that is fantastic. And Rory, I have to tell you where, you know, I first came up with these things was in the military because mm. what a lot of people don't understand is in the military, you don't get to hire people you have to deal with whoever shows up and you've got to create contingencies and backups because whoever shows up may not have the skill sets you need for that job. They're supposed to have specialties, but let's face it, different skill sets are different skill sets. All people are not the same. Round pegs are not always round pegs to go into round holes. So you've got to assess your people really quickly and say, where would you best fit in terms of this organization? And you have to take their strengths and their weaknesses into consideration. Weaknesses aren't a bad thing. I'm a terrible typer. I've managed to overcome that, but it's still a weakness. Mm -hmm. So I put myself in a situation where I don't do a lot of data entry because my likelihood of making mistakes are higher than somebody else. Just saying. So we've got to assess people based on what they're great at, what their innate abilities are, what their intrinsic motivation is, and where they're going to best fit. And then we have to create backups because at any moment, you have to remember in the military, you're only assigned to a place for two to three years. So think about the fact that that 33 to 50% of your workforce is gone every single year. You have to constantly reiterate your vision, reiterate your training, make sure that people understand what they have to do. And people have to be situationally aware of what's happening around them to pick up the slack for the people who suddenly might be transferred. No, that is absolutely terrific. So if people want to get a hold of you, how's the easiest way to get a hold of you? I am at ProductiveLeaders.com, ProductiveLeaders.com. Wonderful. And the name of your book again is? Who Comes Next? Leadership Succession Planning Made Easy. Because if we don't make it easy, nobody's going to do it. (laughs) Well, and it's just such a vital skill. I see so many people that their career gets derailed because the organization didn't have succession plan. And sometimes they lose some really good people because they didn't say who's up next and who's going to be in that next spot or even work with them to say, where's that next level of growth? And that's such a a critical skill to be able to work on going forward. So, Mary, as always, we've worked together in the past and speaking engagement is always great to to speak with you and to spend time with you. I cannot say thank you enough, Mary Kelly, for being on Coaching for Potential Day. Mary, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our future editions of this. Thanks. Absolutely. We'll do some more. Thank you. That was Mary Kelly, leadership speaker Mm -hmm. and author with our own Roaring. Good interview. Thank you, my friend. And I just love her energy and I love her ability to tell stories. She's a great storyteller. And that's why it was, I've always looked forward to having her on the program and we got her in and life is good. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of great speakers on recently because the pandemic has allowed people to be home and I can get a hold of them and we can do it. It's uh, it's, so actually the pandemic has been a good thing for the quality of people I've been able to get into the podcast. Yeah. And this has been a good summer to listen to the podcast and listen not only to your information, but also these great uh, authors that you've been talking to. Again, you can check out Mary's information at ProductiveLeaders.com. 
Mm-hmm. How can we get a hold of you, though, Rory? That's what people want to know. Absolutely. And then get a hold of me at RoryRoland.com uh, or go to CoachingManager.University. And matter of fact, Paul, anybody who sends me an email uh, and says, I want to attend Coaching Manager University, we will give away one free scholarship to Coaching Manager University to anybody who sends me an email saying, I listened to this episode and we'll give that away. So it's just a, another way people can learn more about how to coach, be a better leader, be a better manager, and propel their career forward. Excellent. We also would like it if you would rate and review us on especially Apple Podcasts or, or Google Play. Mm-hmm. And that helps other people hear about the podcast and they get to grow their potential as well. Absolutely. I love it. And it's a great way to promote the uh, program and it continues to grow and we've just gotten great uh, authors and speakers on it. So I'm just continually continue to be geeked up about the podcast. It's fun and I love to work on it. All right. Well, thank you for your time. We'll see you next time. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.